back them dark and dusty drapes Let in some light Help bellboy come and get my trunk Cause I'm leaving here Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of Meryl Streep in the Movies with Zachary Scott Johnson and Meryl McNally. I'm Zachary Scott Johnson. On today's episode, Meryl McNally and I discuss Meryl Streep's brand new film, The Post, which is out in theaters now. Uh, Longtime listeners of our podcast here know that we have been anticipating this movie for a year or so since it was announced, and it did not disappoint. It's absolutely amazing. We had a great time talking about it. Uh, it took us a while, actually, to get onto the subject of the post. We talk about award show stuff and a couple other things as well. So I'm going to put in the show notes the timestamp for when we actually start talking about the movie, the post, if that is what you're most interested in hearing. Of course, we hope that you will listen to the entire episode, but if you're only interested in our review, I'll let you know where you can jump to. I also mentioned in a previous episode that I was filming an episode of House Hunters for HGTV. If you are interested in watching it, it will be premiering on uh, Monday, February 12th, 2018 uh, at 8 o'clock, 7 central. So tune in and watch if you would like to see me on your TV. You can find more information about Meryl McNally, my co-host, my wonderful co-host Meryl McNally, and her theater company in Roswell, New Mexico, which is Neverland Theater Company, by searching that or going to NeverlandTheaterCompany.com. You can find out more information about me and my singer-songwriter career at www.ZacharyScottJohnson.com. Scott only has one T. Or you can find my YouTube page, which is The Song A Day Project, all one word squished together, The Song A Day Project. Uh, I record a song a day every day. It's going to hit 2,000 consecutive days later this month on February 26th. You can also find our relatively new Instagram page that Meryl McNally maintains for us. If you search Meryl Street Podcast on Instagram, you can send us an email at MerylStreetPodcast at gmail.com. All one word squished together, MerylStreetPodcast at gmail.com. And of course, the most important thing that you could do is rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you use to download uh, your podcasts. That really does help, I promise. I think we're ready to start the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Meryl Streep in the Movies with Zachary Scott Johnson and Meryl McNally. How are you this morning, Meryl McNally? I'm good. How are you, Zach? I'm good. I'm good. What have you been up to the last couple weeks since we last chatted? I feel like January has been a whirlwind. Um, last week, my theater company did a, a Broadway night at a local... Um, venue, which was really fun, and we made, you know, good money for the theater company, which is always, you know, a good thing for a nonprofit. and, um, you know, teaching theater, lawyering, the regular stuff. How about you? What have you been up to? Same old. Um, yeah, I think I mentioned before, I live in Minnesota, so, um, you know, I make my living as a singer-songwriter, but the winters here are kind of rough. And so I, I learned a couple of years ago that that doing shows in January and even early February is kind of a fool's errand because um, it's it's just one of those things where like it, it, half the gigs end up getting canceled because of the weather. And even the ones that 
take place, your audience is like half the size because nobody wants to go out. You know, when you it, when it's dark, oh, yeah. when it's dark at five o'clock, nobody wants to leave and go to somewhere at eight o'clock. You know, it feels like the middle of the night. So anyway, I usually take January off, um, which I've come to really love. I I really I grind it. I I've been doing about a hundred concerts a year for the last ten years, and for me that's a wow. lot. That's a lot for me, and so I've come to really love. January and having like that time off. I actually did end up getting last week. I took two gigs. I took a Friday and a Saturday show kind of just with the week or two's notice that I wouldn't have ordinarily done. But so I've been laying low. I've been actually seeing a lot of movies. I've seen quite a few movies in the theater this time. I think I've seen more this week than in the last like six months in the theater. So what have you been uh, watching? I know I've seen a lot. Um, well, in addition to the post, which we're talking about today, mm-hmm. I saw, let's see, over Christmas, I took my nephews to see Shumanji. Oh, yeah. Um, which was a thrilling experience. And then the I saw The Greatest Showman. Nice. And and then most recently, I saw The Darkest Hour. Wow, okay. Probably the one to talk about. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Those, are, those are three. Yeah. See, I saw... I saw four, not including the post, so I thought I was going to, like, blow your mind, but you saw three. That's pretty good. I'm actually curious about all three. Do you mind giving quick hits? I've been curious about Jumanji because that's been, like, this kind of surprising, gigantic hit. Right. Well, they they did it really well in that they kind of, they stayed with the spirit of it. But they didn't worry about making a true sequel. So, you know, somebody finds the board game on the beach in the beginning, and it's the 90s. And they take the board game home to their son, who's a video game player, and he's like, who plays board games anymore? So the game, like, hears him and all of a sudden transforms into a video game. Oh, okay. And the kid the kid gets lost in the game. And then it fasts forward to, you know, present day. And these four teenagers get detention at school and have to go, um, you know, clean some basement room and find the video game and get lost and and get sucked into the game. So the first movie was, you know, the game kind of comes out into the real world. Um, This one, they get sucked into the game. And so you end up in like a jungle world where these four teenagers have avatars. And I got to tell you, you know... The lot, they all have great chemistry. It's a really, it's a cute movie. Is it? I got, okay. I got a little bored about halfway through. Sure. <laughs> but the kid, I mean, my nephew loved it. <laughs> uh, really, the runaway, you know, Jack Black kind of run, ran away with the movie. Interesting. He, um, I don't really have an opinion on Jack Black. <laughs> I don't, I don't worship him. I don't, I, I don't. Uh, I don't hate him either. I don't tend to go see his movies because they're not really my style. Sure. Um, but I have seen some of his films, and sometimes he can, he can grate on me. I get a little annoyed, but he he played a teenage girl so beautifully. Interesting. <laughs> and it would be so easy to mess up. Yeah. You know, to take it over the top or be, I mean, he basically plays the popular girl, gets transformed into into him in the game. And he's hilarious. Huh. He's really great. Interesting. Did you ever see him in uh, Bernie, that movie he did with Shirley MacLaine? I 
did, and I always wanted to because I heard really interesting, good things about it. Yeah, it's really good. It's a yeah. it's a totally different yeah. role for him. It's like it's kind of like when Robin Williams. Speaking of Jumanji, it's kind of like when Robin Williams would play it straight. You know, I mean, it's not completely yeah. straight, but kind of had a similar vibe of oh wow, yeah, this guy's for real too. You know, you you kind of forget yeah. that sometimes. Sometimes really gifted comedians are completely capable of playing, you know, another another. Yeah, side. he's clearly a good actor. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, most definitely. And I love Karen Gillan. I've been I've been a fan of hers for uh, for a while, and I can't even remember the first thing I saw her in. But I've, I've been kind of tracking her career because I I think she's wonderful. Interesting. Interesting. Cool. Well, what about uh, The Greatest Showman and Darkest Hour? I'd actually like to hear about both. Well, The Greatest Showman, I really, really love. And it's gotten a lot of criticism because it really sugarcoats P.T. Barnum's life. Well, yeah, I would not (laughs) call this a biopic. Sure. I mean, yeah, they use his name, but I just don't think... I mean, it's a musical. Sure. It is a candy-coated musical. And, you know, plot-wise, movie structure-wise, it's really nothing nothing to shout about. But, you know, the music is by the same team who did Dear Evan Hansen and La La Land and Christmas Story. And they're... Um, it's just amazing. There's a lot. There's just a lot of anthems. If you just want to get up and sing, it's almost like gospel music. Is how it feels when you listen to it. Sure. And the choreography and the direction and the cinematography were beautiful. So it had this really sort of blasé opening weekend uh, numbers vibe because it came out so close to Star Wars on the same weekend of the weekend after. Really close. And so everyone was calling it a flop, and then I think word of mouth picked up, and it is still, I think it's still number four at the box office. Yeah. At least it was. And yeah. it's it's broken records in terms of it's sustaining its box office uh, position, and, you know, it's, it's made its budget, I think, two times over now. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I know what you yeah, mean. There's, I, re- I recommend it. Oh, good, good, good. Uh, that's one that I've been curious about. Um, it, that one, I've, I've been trying to... There's so many good movies out right now. I mean, this this happens every year, but it's like this... You can't possibly see them all, and I'm sure you're experiencing this too, but like for Darkest Hour, which I do want to hear about, you know, I had plans maybe a week or so ago. I was thinking, okay, Darkest Hour is playing... I'm going to go see it, you know, on such and such a day. And then that day I went, okay, wait, I'm going to, I'm going to wait till next week. And of course it left because there's just so many good movies out that there, you know, yeah. there isn't enough time. Um, so dark or uh, greatest showman seems like one that maybe is worth the big screen thing where some it other is. ones, uh, not so important. Um, so that's, right. we'll, we'll see. I'm hoping to see it, but, um, but speaking of darkest hour, what was your take on that one? Well, I gotta tell you, I went in biased because Joe Wright, the director, is one of my favorites. Okay. Um, if not my favorite. And I, I think I love him so much because he, you know, people criticize him because you can see the work. Mm. Um, but that's what I love about his films is I think there's a theatrical quality to them. He loves it's just very aesthetically um, beautiful. He loves um, uh, symmetrical shots. 
where, you know, the two, two sides of the shot are completely mirrored. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of symmetry in his work and he, um, you know, he focuses on gesture and expression. So he does a lot of close up work. I just really love him. I loved the film. Uh, I was not, I am a World War II buff. I love um, the military history of World War II. I did not know um, all of the details of um, what happened with Winston's Church, with Winston Churchill's um, uh, rise to prime minister in Britain before World War II, and and um, how that was so closely related to um, the evacuation of Dunkirk. Oh. So, yeah, so it was really, really, Gary, Gary Oldman is, um, uh, unbelievable. Yeah, I believe it. He's unbelievable in it, and the prosthetics are unbelievable. I cannot stand those kinds of prosthetics because people's faces don't move, and you can kind of see. Yeah. No. No, you couldn't tell it was a prosthetic. It was unbelievable. Uh, the... The, the makeup team will undoubtedly win the Oscar. It's groundbreaking work. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Gary Oldman will undoubtedly win the Oscar. Yep. No doubt. Yep. There's uh, quite a bit of controversy surrounding him, I think, for previous comments he has made um, about all kinds of things. <laughs> and, um, you know, he has his own his own sort of sketchy history so i don't you know i don't know how to feel about it but really i actually this is wonderful i'm i'm actually unfamiliar do you mind going into it i i actually don't know what the controversy is i will tell you <laughs> what i know what i've heard um i know that he has made um very insensitive comments about the structure of Hollywood, for instance, he defended um, he defended Mel Gibson. Ah. Um, and I would have to look up the details. Okay. And it was more in a way, it wasn't so much what he said was right, but it was more in people say shit all the time. Right. And he just said some things that sort of leaned anti-Semitic. Ooh. <laughs> that made you go, ooh. And then, um, you know, I think he's had his own storied history with women. I think there was some issue with his ex-wife, and he may have been accused of beating her. None of the good actors uh, are the, good people, apparently. But I know. The blog I read calls it the sexual harasser advent calendar. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really sort of brilliant. Laney Gossip, go check it out. Okay, so... Um, here is when the Mel Gibson thing happened, he said, and this is a quote, guys, this is not coming from my lips. We're all fucking hypocrites, that's what I think about it. The policeman who arrested them has never used the word nigger or that fucking Jew. Oh. Like asking the question, was the policeman not at fault at some point in his life? Like, oh, ouch. Um, and then in 2001, his then wife filed papers in Los Angeles court claiming that he had assaulted her in front of their children with a telephone. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Um, she said that as she picked up the phone to call the police, Gary put his hand on her neck and squeezed. 
she backed away with the phone receiver in her hand and tried to dial 911, grab the phone receiver from her hand and hit her in the face with the telephone receiver three or four times. Jesus. Both of the kids were crying. She made some statements in an interview with Playboy in 2014 calling Nancy Pelosi the... I think he was using a hypothetical. He said, well, if I called Nancy Pelosi the C word, he used the actual word, and I'll go one better, a fucking useless C word. I can't really say that, but Bill Mayer and John Stewart can, and probably going to stop them from working because of it. And nobody's going to stop them from working because of it. And Bill Mayer could call someone a fag and get away with it. He said to Seth MacFarlane this year, I thought you were going to do the Oscars and again instead they go uh, they got a lesbian he can say something like that is that more or less offensive than alec baldwin saying someone uh in the street saying to someone on the street you fag i don't get it wow i mean that's on paper (laughs) wow i had no idea that wasn't my most brilliant reading but yeah uh Yeah, so he, he identifies as a libertarian, so he is conservative. I don't think that has anything to do with the comments. I mean, but what he is essentially saying is that liberal people can get away with saying terrible things, but conservative people can't. This is not true. Right. <laughs> um, and it's not an excuse because somebody else is a terrible person, and it's not an excuse to be one yourself. Yeah, no kidding. And so, I don't know, I can't, you know, I can't. Yeah, I can't support his win. I can't complain about people like Woody Allen and, uh, you know, Harvey Weinstein and then, you know, turn a blind eye and be like, yeah, scary old man, win the Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say, I think he's done a better job of managing to keep it quiet. That's, it's really interesting that that is, which is kind of, it, it kind of goes against his, his argument in a way, because like, you know, if this were really like a liberal versus conservative thing, he definitely leans more towards a conservative side. So you would think the the allegedly liberal media would be attacking him. I haven't heard a word about it. So I know. Um, you know what I think it may be is that right now the focus is on women and sexual harassment. Right. And he, yeah, you know, the accusation is that he assaulted his wife. But there are no accusations of sexual harassment against him on film sets or anything like that. Right. And I almost feel like Hollywood is compartmentalizing. So, uh, you know, racism, bigotry, <clears throat> physical assault is one thing. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's ridiculous to me, but I feel like that's what's happening, that they were really zeroing in on... on um, conduct that that goes into that sexual harassing area and not on anything else yeah and that's another question is why can we only have one issue at a time in this country i mean it really it really has been a problem that uh like if you if you think of any given year you can think of like what was the thing then and it's always the thing then singular um you know it's it's troubling. Well, and I that. think there's this hesitation to dismiss something that happens in people's private lives. I think that's why it's taken so long for even just a handful of actors to speak out about Woody Woody Allen. Right. Is <clears throat> because 
everyone's so hesitant to talk about something that goes on behind closed doors in somebody's home. I think the people who are getting targeted are the people who are abusing their power outside their home. Yeah, that's probably true. You know, in the industry. And that's such a shame that it doesn't cover all of it, but it, I, don't, I don't see that it is. Wow. So I think we're going to have we're going to have two years in a row where people with super shady past have won the best actor, Oscar. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Everybody's speculating whether Casey Affleck will actually be at the awards. Right. Right. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how yeah. that's handled. And and really, I mean, yeah. um, the Golden Globes, well, no, was it? There was, I uh, see, I don't watch any of these, so I, it's not that I'm forgetting, it's that I actually, wasn't it the SAG Awards they had all female presenters? Yes. And their first toast, Kristen Bell. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe there's something there. Yeah. Maybe it's Maybe it's time to kind of switch. I think they've probably already announced certain Oscar presenters, so it's probably too late, but, you know, maybe it's maybe it's time to kind of pay attention to, to what the issues are and kind of evolve and... Try something well, I new. think if anyone can make it happen, women collectively in the industry can make it happen. I know, I just read this morning that Jessica Chastain and Octavia Spencer, they're good friends, and they wanted to do a film together, and they had a really open, frank discussion about how they were getting paid, and Octo, you know, Jessica Chastain brought up the fact that women are, you know, paid inequally to men, and Octavia Spencer raised the point to her that black women are paid even less. Right. And um, they negotiated um, they negotiated equal pay for the film they're doing and got significantly more than they uh, originally had on the table. Wow. And so I think it's going to take that kind of collective bargaining by women and speaking up about it and being open about what they're being paid, which is very difficult. Right. You know, nobody wants to share that information. It's sort of taboo. Yeah. So, well, good for there's there's my daily rant. Yeah, Hollywood politics. Well, good for the two of them. Good for Michelle Williams. Good for Natalie Portman. You know, they, these these yeah. young women are are kind of leading the charge, and I think it's and and others as well, of course. Um, you know, really yeah, doing. Yeah, Thompson, mm-hmm. Tracy Ellis Ross, they're all speaking up. Yeah. So good for them. Well, that's a bummer about Darkest Hour. I was I was excited to see that one. I was bummed that I missed it. But... It is brilliant. It is it is a very it is a very good film. I was sad to see that Joe Wright is turning around and working with uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Casey Affleck on his next film. Oh, <laughs> man! <laughs> Interesting. Somebody stand up for what's right for the love. Somebody besides women. You know, I would really like to see some men actually step up to the plate and say something of real value yeah. besides the the sort of rote speech that they're all giving to make sure they don't get nailed. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, <clears throat> with Joe Wright in particular, you know, like the movies that he kind of made his name on all starred Keira Knightley, you know, Atonement, Pride and Prejudice, Anna right. Karenina. Um, Saoirse Ronan in Hannah, you know, like he kind of seemed female focused in the in the beginning parts of his career. So yeah, yeah. So what have you seen? Um, so I in the theaters I saw the post uh, twice. I went to see it again last night, so it would be fresh on my mind. Um, I saw I saw The Shape of Water, 
which was fantastic. Oh. I saw Iton. Oh, I see it so badly. It's not here. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. And that's another one that is really big screen worthy. I, um, it's very visual, and it's it's just one of those movies that will suck you in. I I feel like it's the fastest moving two hour movie. Actually, I think it's a little over two mo- two hours, um, but it just felt so fast. It was just so stunning. Um, loved it. Um, I saw I, Tanya, which I have to say, I was shocked how much I really was moved by that movie. It was really good. Interesting. Really good. That was one that uh, I thought, okay, I well, yeah, I thought, well, this will be fun. And, um, you know, it's interesting, too, because I, I saw a few people, speaking of kind of social media controversies surrounding this movie, um, I saw people saying, and I kind of agreed with it before I saw the movie, this idea of, like, we're kind of celebrating Tanya Harding right now. You know what I mean? Like, which is strange if you think yeah. about somewhere out there in the world is is Nancy Kerrigan, who has to be looking at this and saying, yeah. what the hell? Um, and that's not necessarily untrue. However, the movie will make you feel differently about that. Um, you will see the class struggles um, and mm-hmm. and what Tanya Harding did. I also think there's, it's still murky, you know, like what Tanya Harding has owned up to is knowing about the attack and not calling the authorities um, basically as soon as she knew about it. And so it has never been um, acknowledged on Tanya Harding's half. And in, in some ways I would, I would suggest that the film is from her perspective in this, in this sense that like, she really truly didn't mm-hmm. know about the attack that this was kind of, she, she was basically the victim of somebody sending her a letter trying to freak her out. And so it's kind of implied that she thought that that's what was going to happen was that somebody was going to send Nancy Kerrigan a letter and, you know, it would do essentially the same thing to her. It would basically level the playing field. And instead, the people that were hired, who she did not directly hire, according to the movie, which was, you know, done with her involvement, um, it kind of took it seven steps further because they kind of had these uh, fantastic notions in their heads of being, you know, kind of hitmen and being like somebody out of a movie, you know, basically like being surrounded wow. by incompetence. Um, so the I, Tanya, I will say, uh, is brutal in a lot of ways. You see a lot of domestic abuse that she suffered. Um, very, very realistic, very raw, not easy to watch. Um, you see a lot of unbelievable, uh, emotional abuse on behalf of her mother. Who's un I mean, that performance by Allison Janney is, is incredible. I have heard that. So good. It's, it really is like that movie was written for her. I, I don't know what the mom is like in real life, but that Allison Janney is just perfect for that role. Um, so anyway, I'm giving a somewhat surprising, Really big thumbs up to I, Tanya. That one surprised me more than any other one this year. Didn't Margot Robbie produce it as well? Yes. Yes, she did. She did, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed by her. Yeah, me I, too. There was a TV show on, I think it was on NBC years ago, called Pan Am. Uh-huh, I remember and that. And it only lasted like 13 episodes with Christina Ricci and yep. Margot Robbie before she kind of hit it big. Yeah. And Annabelle Wallace. Mm-hmm. There was kind of quite a crew in that show. I I remember watching it and thinking, "How does this 
This woman definitely has something. Turns yeah. out she actually does. She's great. <laughs> She's great. And, you know, like her ability to, again, she's Australian, you know, so like her ability to sound, yeah. not not look like, she's, she's uh, you know, she's maybe, a, I don't, I don't know how to say this. I don't know if this is rude or not. She might be a little bit too pretty to play Tanya Harding. Um, right. Uh, it's, but at the same time, um, she, she gets a lot of the mannerisms down and she gets a lot of the vocal inflections are, are perfect. Uh, so good for her. I mean, just Tanya great Harding had a very, a very girl next door kind of, tr- almost like a true blue American face. And then on top of that, because I, I was an avid ice skating fan. Uh-huh. Okay, my my mom was. I was like, I was so into ice skating at the time. I loved watching it. I knew all the ice skaters. And the thing about Tanya Harding was that she like just sort of to the general public, she was so tacky. Right. She, you know, she had the curled, she had the permed hair and the curled fluffed bangs and her costumes were always like glitzed to the max. And um, you could absolutely, and I didn't know that that's what it was at the time, you could absolutely see the class difference. Yeah. Um, between her and somebody like Nancy Kerrigan. And so... Um, I, f- I find that a really interesting subject to explore. I want to see it so badly. None of these movies have come to Roswell yet. Yeah. So frustrating. Well, I, Tanya, I highly recommend. Um, I saw Downsizing in the theater, which is the recent Alexander Payne movie with... Um, Matt Damon and Kristen Wiig and um, a lot of other folks. I won't say too much about yeah. this one other than I was really disappointed by this movie. Um, I felt exactly the opposite of The Shape of Water, um, which I said was a really fast-moving one. This, to me, was the longest. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like this movie oh. would have been much better served if it was about 45 minutes shorter. Um, it really just, and it couldn't decide on its tone. It couldn't decide if it was a comedy. It couldn't decide if it was a drama. Um, the, I, I don't know. It was just a really big disappointment to me. Um, I, I like Alexander Payne's work and this was to me, not, not a great one. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend that one. Um, Although it did feature a really, really brief cameo from Laura Dern, who we're going to do a episode on. Our next oh. episode is a tribute to her. Um, she was good, but I think she gets like one line in it. You know, it's like a nothing little cameo thing. Um, and then the other one that I saw in the theaters was just the Liam Neeson commuter one. It's just like his most oh, recent yeah. kind of adrenaline. This one's set on a train. Oh, <laughs> it was fine. It, it was just like the other ones that he's done lately. It was <laughs> it was fine. Nothing nothing new there. Just it, it's it, it the movie nonstop, the one that was taken on a plane, it's that on a train this time. Um it did feature <laughs> it did feature um the lady from Downton Abbey. I can't remember her name. Elizabeth McGovern. Oh, okay. So, she plays his wife in um, it. I wonder if the next one will be on a boat. <laughs> he he has said that this is his last one of these. I don't know if that's going oh, really? to Yeah, he said that this is the last one that he's doing of this. But he I the um I didn't realize that a lot of these movies not the Taken series, but basically the other ones like that that he's done unknown mm-hmm. nonstop uh that he did another one like 
five for the money. The tomb, or, tombstone one, tombstone beyond the tombstone. I'm I don't. That's so wrong. Yeah, I don't think that one. But all these other ones were okay. directed by the same guy. So I think there's been. I oh, didn't, okay. Yeah, and I didn't realize that that they had worked together four or five times. But they, he has oh, said, wow. Liam Neeson has said that that was his last one. Um, and then one that I saw on DVD that I think is. Um, Kind of interesting is the Victoria and Abdul, the Judy Dench uh, one, yes. which was good. I have not seen it. Yeah, it was it was good. It's out for rent now. Yeah. I'd recommend it. It's it, that one is definitely you know that one is fine on a small screen. There's no necessarily huge reason to see it in a big old theater. Um, it's good. I did finally watch Battle of the Sexes. Oh, I saw that one too. How did I forget that? Yeah. What did you think of it? I really enjoyed that. I loved it. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it was good. It was good. So, well, let's let's talk briefly about um, the awards show stuff. I know we got to get to the post, but um, so Oscar nominations were announced Tuesday of this week, and Meryl Streep was nominated for her twenty first Academy Award for the post. And everybody, as a side note, if you have an opportunity to watch. The video of Andy Serkis and Tiffany Haydish announcing the Oscars, please do it because Tiffany Haydish is something glorious. Oh, I haven't seen it. I'll have to do that. Um, oh, she's hilarious. She's she's just so she's so out there and just so not reserved academy. And she's a hoot. She is so funny announcing the Oscars. I re- I recommend you go watch it. She spices it up. Cool. Well I'll check that out. Um yeah, that'll be good. Okay, so there were nine films nominated for Best Picture. Um, they were Call Me By Your Name, uh, Darkest Hour, which we just talked about, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. So um, I feel like I'm doing pretty well this year because I've seen five of those movies in the theater, and I'm, I'm going to see Phantom Thread, I think, on Friday. So I've missed just a couple of these, and I feel pretty good about that. So, you know, Phantom Thread came out really late, and the Academy loved Paul Thomas Anderson. So, uh, while Three Billboards is definitely, um, you know, sort of taking the front runner and the front sort of position (laughs) in the shape of water, I wouldn't discredit Phantom Thread. I wouldn't either. I would say it's probably in that number three slot right now. I think I still think three billboards probably prevails. Um, and Shape of Water, I think, would be the... Even over Shape of Water? Maybe. Yeah, I think so. The Shape of Water is... Um, it's so... I, I've seen both of those movies in the theater. And okay. what I will say is the the Academy is... Ten, the, the Academy voters, um, you know, if you're putting into groups, tend to be older. And um, mm-hmm. three billboards is a movie that makes sense to everybody. The Shape of Water might not make sense to to some older right. viewers. Um you know there are there are certainly open open-minded adults, but this movie is about a relationship and a sexual relationship between a woman and a creature. So I don't know. Um right. It's hard to say. I I'm, I I don't know. I Ultimately, having seen both, in terms of if I had to vote, I think I would vote for The Shape of Water. And that's not a knock against three billboards. It's just there's something right. so visually stunning and um, 
I, I don't know. From from a best picture, I think the experience of seeing The Shape of Water moved me more than Three Billboards. But I loved Three Billboards. Right. I will not be upset if Three Billboards wins. But I thought it was interesting that Martin McDonough did not get a director nod. Which I mean, it's, right. part, it's part of the you know, it's sort of part of the process when you have so many um, slots in the best picture category and then only five in the best director. And I, I you know, I applaud the Academy for, um, you know, giving Greta Gerwig and Jordan Peele nominations. Yes. Because, you know. Yeah, but, absolutely. But, you know, there's some backlash on three billboards right now as sort of being equivalent to, um, you know, Crash. And I haven't seen the film yet, so I'm curious to know what you think about the backlash it's getting. Okay, I didn't know there was a backlash. So how is it? How is it like Crash? Well, I I haven't seen it, so I'm not quite sure. I think the biggest criticism I have read is that Sam Rockwell's character has a shady past that he has um, that he has done some suspect things. Uh, and that they get talked about, but that the, the victims of his su- suspect activity are never seen, and so that the film is whitewashed in a way. I could I could see um, that. That's that's pretty accurate. Okay. Yeah. That that. That's the biggest criticism I have read. Well, and that was that was the thing that I think I think I talked about three billboards in our last episode. That was the thing that surprised me about three billboards was how how hard it was to watch. But again, you and I come from theater backgrounds, so we know Martin McDonough's work, and it's not surprising yeah. to either of us that this movie would be like that. But I could see to the general public why that would be a concern. Because, yeah, it's it's not... I actually... It's sort of true that you don't really see... I, it's not so much that you don't see his victims. You, you sometimes do. I mean, you see what happens to the people that he victimizes. You just never see them either get kind of they never get even they never like sam rockwell basically it's not their story right yeah so sam rockwell i I, i'm trying to find ways to say this without giving anything away he's such a brutal character for such a big part of this movie and yet what happens to him he's kind of redeemed basically right and i think that was the other concern is is his redemption his sort of redemption arc and i don't I haven't seen it. I really want to see it. It hasn't yeah. come here or it came here for like a second and I missed it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So it's getting a little bit, it's getting a little bit of backlash. Well, interesting. I mean, I don't know. And I don't know if it's enough for the Academy to really take notice given the Academy's makeup. I know that they've diversified and sort of broadened, you know, the qualifications for being admitted to the Academy um, in the past year Right. Or two, but I, I still, I don't think it's probably enough to well bump three billboards out of the and it's, race. It's where we are with anything. Any movie that's a front runner for anything will have somebody taking it down a peg. It happened with La La Land last year too. Um, you know, uh, yeah. it happens every year. I don't, I don't know. Were there any surprises to you? Any uh, quote unquote snubs in the best picture category this year? Um, no, there weren't any surprises for me. Were there for you? Not really. I can't think of any. Not really. Um, you know, uh, there were nine nominations instead of ten, so, you know, you could have filled that slot with something else. You know, The Greatest Showman, 
um, some people could have seen in there. I feel like I'm forgetting one or two other ones that people thought, well, maybe. But, yeah, there's nothing glaring, nothing huge um, from my perspective. Um, so then, let's take a look at best performance by an actress in a leading role. We have Frances McDormand for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Margot Robbie for I, Tanya, Meryl Streep for The Post, Sally Hawkins for The Shape of Water, and Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird. So this category, I've seen four out of the five. The only one I haven't seen is uh, Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird, which is the one that I think most people have seen, actually. Um, right. I feel like the snubs, the kind of snubs here, I think people knew it would probably be these five. I think Jessica Chastain uh, for Molly's Game and Judy Dench for Victoria and Abdul were considered possibilities, um, but I, I don't know that they're necessarily snubs. I think for most people, it was either going to be Margot Robbie or Jessica Chastain, um, and Margot Robbie got in there. For me, I, I'm all for it because that performance is so good. Um, but did you yeah. see, did you see any uh, snubs uh, from your end in this category? No, um, I know that there was a question about Michelle Williams, but wasn't she in the supporting actress category? Yeah, for all the money in the all the money in the world, I think she was mm-hmm. yeah. in supporting. Um, I think she had okay. been nominated in that in other categories. But so who do you uh, who do you predict winning this category? Well, I think Frances McDormand is probably going to take it. I think so too. Um, yeah. Um, I, uh, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. I just, Sally Hawkins is so brilliant. And yeah. I was, I was sort of hoping her performance in Maudie would, would get more traction because it's really stunning. And I'm curious, I didn't see The Shape of Water. I loved, I loved Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth. I just, it's just such a stunning film. And so I'm not surprised that The Shape of Water is equally um, equally stunning, but I'm curious to know. I know you've seen both, right? Maudie and Shape of Water. Yeah. Um, how do you think those two performances compare to the extent you can compare them? Yeah, it's hard because there's it's polar opposites. This is, I mean, we've talked about this briefly, but it's really hard doing this. This is, I think, what the hard thing is about voting for people in nominations because how do you look at performances that are so different from each other? Actually, the best actress category isn't a great example, but like, let's take a look at the best actor. So you have Daniel Kaluuya yeah. for Get Out against Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour. How do you compare those two performances? Yeah. They, uh, yeah, I don't even know. They couldn't be more different. And so in a lot of ways... It's not quite to that extreme with the with the two performances by Sally Hawkins, but I think in terms of quality, they're about even. Um, the The edge that The Shape of Water is getting is because I think as a movie overall, it's so cinematic and it's so... I hesitate to say kind of a cliche like this, but I just don't know that I've seen a movie quite like this ever before. And yeah. I think that's why it's getting the edge. I think if she hadn't made this movie, I think there is a decent chance she's still in there for Maudie. It's not that Maudie wasn't going to get her anywhere. It's just that this movie is so different and so unique. And Guillermo del Toro um, is kind of one of those directors who's been, it's almost like the Peter Jackson thing in a way where like he's been overlooked and everybody knows he's been overlooked. And so they're going to give him the award, you know? And um, so I don't know. It's hard to say. She's also, you know, she plays a mute in this movie, which I think for the Academy is also kind of a thing when somebody plays yeah. a character, you know, it's, it's the piano. It's, yeah. So there's With some sort of disadvantage. Yeah. 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 
So I would not be I would not be either surprised or disappointed if Sally Hawkins won. Frances McDormand is such a force. Um, it seems like hers, but Sally Hawkins I think could could sneak in there. I have a hard time seeing any of the other three. It would be considered kind of a big upset, I think, if any of the other three yeah. <laughs> managed to get in there. But um, all right, so I saw four out of the five in the Best Actress. I've only seen one out of the five in the Best Actor. So those are Daniel Day-Lewis for Phantom Thread, Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out, Denzel Washington for Roman J. Israel Esquire, Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour, and Timothy Chalamet. I'm not sure if I'm saying his last name right for uh, Call Me By Your Name. So there's a pretty big see. snub. Yeah, Tom Hanks, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a bummer. Yeah, you know, I think that people were sort of up in it. I think that was a controversy, um, you know, whether Denzel should have been put in there instead right. of Tom Hanks. But, I mean, Denzel is basically the male equivalent of Meryl Streep. The man does not give a bad performance. Yeah, I, I'm with and, you. Yeah, I mean, it makes total sense to me that he would be nominated. Yeah, I think the big surprise there was this was the movie Roman J Israel Esquire was not very well received. Um, it, right. It kind of came and went, and I think he. Uh, I think when the movie came out, there were a lot of people who thought he might get a nomination, and then when the movie did so poorly, um, I think it 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 was really a surprise. I think that he snuck in there, but good for him. I'm excited to see that movie. Actually, I wanted to see that movie so. It is. I did too, and I finally, I had like free, I had free HBO for a weekend and managed to TiVo Get Out, so I'm looking forward to seeing that before the Oscars, because I have not seen it yet, Mm. and um, I just desperately want to see Call Me By Your Name, and um, it's it's not going to come to my red county, are you kidding me? (laughs) So... I'll have to wait for that to be a renter. Hopefully it will be available before the Oscars. Usually they release them before the Oscars so people can see them. But Yeah, or like the week <laughs> of, yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, I have I have tentative plans tomorrow to go see uh, Phantom Thread during the day, and I'm looking forward to it. Daniel Day-Lewis is one of those actors who, you know, I... I make a point out of yeah. You go to the theater. You kind of it's like you pay your respects. Yeah. You know, he's he's just yeah. otherworldly in terms of his abilities. And this being allegedly his last movie, I also I I like Paul Thomas Anderson too. Um, I not everything I works. Too. Not everything works, but there's um, no. It's I think he has a better percentage than most, and I'm willing to kind of always give him the the benefit of the doubt. I will say, we'll get more into this as we talk about the post, but I, I having seen it again last night, that's actually one of the things I wanted to focus on most in the post is how much seeing it a second time really helped me and how much I, I really liked it the first time, but I really loved it the second time. It was... I. I found myself really, really deeply loving this movie the second oh, time that I saw it. And um, the performances really deepened for me, including including yeah. Tom Hanks's. Um, he's, you know, I would say he and Denzel are kind of tied in my mind for, like, favorite actor territory. Yeah. And um, Yeah, Tom Hanks doesn't give a bad performance either. Right. And he's just so... Um, he's, a, he's a master. Yeah. And I, I like... I, well, okay. I, let's save it. Let's let's get through the rest of this, and then we'll talk about the the post. Okay. Um, best actress in a supporting role: Allison Janney for *I Tanya*. 
And Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird. Yeah, she's going to win. <laughs> May as well give her the award now. Um, Laurie, Met- yep. Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird. She's the only one I could see maybe pulling an upset here. Um, Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread. That was kind of the surprise one. Uh, Mary J. Blige yep. for Mudbound. And Octavia Spencer for The Shape of Water. So there were a couple potential snubs. One you mentioned was Michelle Williams in this category. Oh, Holly Hunter for the big sick. A lot of people thought she might end up in there. Um, I'm pretty excited for Mary J. Blige. Yeah, me too. She's nominated in two categories. Yeah. I like Mary J. Blige. I haven't seen that film. And it's a win for Netflix. Yeah. I have, I have seen half of it. Oh my gosh. I apologize to everybody who made that. My parents have not watched the entire film. That's the problem with watching those films on Netflix. You can easily start and stop you, you, you just get up and go about your life yeah i got started it was beautiful i need to watch the rest of it yeah um it's on my list i have i i loved what i saw yeah cool yeah um all right and then last category best performance by an actor in a supporting role christopher Plummer for all the money in the world richard jenkins for the shape of water sam rockwell for three billboards Willem Dafoe for The Florida Project, and Woody Harrelson for Three Billboards. So this category, it seemed like there were a couple of different ways that people were feeling like there was one of these movies, either Three Billboards or Call Me By Your Name, where basically there were two actors in each film um, that could be nominated. For me, actually, The Shape of Water was that movie. So Richard Jenkins got the nob, ri- nomination, richly deserved. I also, I, I kind of wonder how close Michael Shannon got because he's a supporting actor in this movie and really good in the movie too. He actually probably has a bigger performance than Richard Jenkins. Um, in fact, I almost wonder if they ran him leading, but um, I was a little surprised not to see him kind of in the expected... I- category but i'm actually currently watching waco oh yeah heard about this? The oh mini, yeah the, the miniseries with tim riggins <laughs> aka taylor kitch and michael shannon and it's um it's an interesting part for michael shannon it's 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 kind of really strange to see him on tv oh yeah in fact the entire cast you're like wow you're um but yeah yeah it's interesting i mean it's only one episode in i mean it premiered last night so I'm interested to see how it goes, um, because it was an interesting time for the U.S., I think, and the FBI as an organization. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah. he's very good at it. Michael Shannon's amazing. He's so good. He'll get his, he'll get his Oscar. Terrifying. Yeah, he'll get his Oscar at some point. There's no question. Um, so yeah. it's coming. Uh, it seems like Sam Rockwell's year to me. <laughs> it seems like... Um, yeah. It's his to lose, which is funny because I feel like when I, I actually don't really know anything about the Florida project, but I feel like when that movie came out, uh, I feel like people were saying that about Willem Dafoe. They were like, give him the Oscar now. And then it maybe just came out too early in the year or something like that because yeah. um, all that momentum kind of faded. For uh, I will say, I thought it was great to see Woody Harrelson in there, too. He is one of those people who, I think now he's being recognized as one of our like really great character actors. Um, mm-hmm. But I think he really is. And he's really good in Three Billboards. It's a slightly smaller role, um, but he's really good. And he's really reliably good. I know this isn't his first nomination. I think he's been up there a few times. I know he was nominated for The People versus Larry Flint, and I think he might have gotten another supporting one at some point, but 
Um, yeah. Good, good to see him in there. And the Christopher Plummer one is just so interesting <laughs> because it almost I know, right? it almost feels like the Academy has gone out of their way to kind of give the middle finger to Kevin Spacey. It really does feel like that to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, well, and the Academy does love Christopher Plummer. Yeah, yeah. It took him a while to earn his Oscar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, I mean, it is kind of a crazy, crazy feat. I can't believe they did but that. But I, I think I think the industry as a whole has given the big finger to Kevin Spacey. He doesn't seem like I don't know. I I feel like it's one of two things: either he was well loved and everyone feels betrayed. I don't think that's the case. Or two, he was sort of generally disliked and got his come up. And I get that sense that everyone was like, ah, that guy. Yeah, which is funny because he is not one of the ones, this is kind of what you were just saying, he's not somebody that you heard a lot of, like, disgruntled, you know, stuff with. I mean, I I saw Kevin Spacey in a play in London, and, I mean, this is taking one experience, you know, but um, yeah, I, I saw him in a play with uh, Mary Stuart Masterson, and so I was talking with, with Mary Stuart Masterson after the show, and she only had nice things to say. I don't know, maybe it's one of those things where, like, you just well, know uh, not no, to I say things. Time. I spent time on the set of Pay It Forward uh, oh, really? with him and Helen Hunt. Yeah. yeah. And and um, um, I don't think, I don't think Haley Joel Osment did any filming while I was there. I was in Vegas for a week and um, a friend of mine, her dad, was doing sound design on the film. And so we went and spent our spring break um, on the set. And, um, you know, it was interesting. He wasn't on set for a day or so because he was upset about his uh, the burn scars the prosthetic oh yeah and I honestly to his credit they weren't realistic like there was burn markings and none of that none of the stretch that happened you know over you know eyes and so it was still so pretty you know and you couldn't really see them they weren't reading on camera and he just you know he's like you have to do something about this or I'm not going to keep working um, and so there was some, there was a little bit of drama there, but all the time that he was on set, he was, you know, he was pleasant and, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It was fine. Yeah. Um, and obviously the accusations against him are completely different from, you know, exercising his, uh, you know. Right. Improperly exercising his power on set. I mean, that's not really the accusation, right? But, right. Um, I don't know. I just get the sense that people, I, I don't know, that people don't like him. Right. Well, and it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, again, you know, I know we have to get to the post. Um, one, I know. One thing that has been made a point uh, kind of quietly that not a lot of people are talking about this, but... You know, people are really going after Kevin Spacey. And I would say Harvey Weinstein, too. But, you know, have we considered the idea that Kevin Spacey's victims were men and not women? Um, And what kind of effect that has? Because people, you know, there's people seem to take that one a lot harder. And maybe it's just because he is so he's a pretty iconic actor, you know? Um, Okay, last question with Kevin Spacey. Do you think... He gets a comeback in, I don't know, seven, eight years? Or do you think he's done? I think he's done. Interesting. I I think think he gets a comeback. 
I really do. You do? I'm not saying I want a comeback. Uh, I'm saying that I think it's kind of the Mel Gibson thing. Do you remember how huge a story that was when that happened? Yeah. Mel Gibson. And he's back in movies yeah. now. Not not as often. And like when he is, it's almost like this wink, wink kind of like, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, we feel so uncomfortable. He's back. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think at some point. I, I, I'm not, I, I, it's the kind of thing where I think the movies, if he decides he wants to come back and like gets the opportunities, I think it might be kind of similar to the Mel Gibson. Like he's not going to be up for awards for a really long time, if ever again, but you know, he might do some like light comedies and movies that go directly to video for, you know, do a couple of those and kind of work his way back. And, um, I don't know, it'll be interesting, but I think he's, I, I, I wouldn't count him out forever. I just think people people tend to forgive. I mean, Pee Wee Herman is back for the love of God. Yeah. So, you know. I think he's coming there's... back at some point, but um okay, last yeah. last category directing. Uh we'll just run through it. Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, Guillermo del Toro, Shape of Water. Jordan Peele for Get Out and Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread. So as you mentioned, Paul Thomas Anderson was kind of the surprise there. Um, the two mm-hmm. two perceived snubs were pretty big snubs. Although, as you also mentioned, you know, nine nine best picture nominees, five best director nominees, so something can't make it in. Um, but I think two of the other ones that people thought pretty confident were Martin McDonough for Three Billboards and Steven Spielberg for The Post. Um, right. So, um, I I don't know. I feel like. Guillermo del Toro probably wins this one. Um, yeah. It would be a pretty big surprise if not. And actually, what a lot of people are saying is, like, if he doesn't win, uh, you know, it would it almost would likely go to Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk because, not because, that's kind of like the movie that everybody has at the very bottom of their queue. But, you know, right. it's such a, like, stylistic um Directed movie. Did you see Dunkirk? Yeah, the direction of it, I did. I did too. You know, yeah, I mean, the direction is pretty phenomenal. The movie is a little dry. Yeah. In that you don't, because it's such an ensemble piece, you don't really connect emotionally with any of the characters. Right. You're just sort of watching it unfold. Right. And then it is very, the tension is so suppressed. You know, because they're all just waiting to be evacuated, and there's certainly um, there's certainly some major action sequences. But I think what really struck me about Dunkirk was that when he shot from the perspective of Sabine in the plane, um, the sound and the camera angles and everything made you absolutely feel like you were the pilot. Right. You know, you could hear the the plane, the ricketing sound of the of the plane, and yeah, it was that kind of thing. And keeping the camera like at water level so that you feel as if you're in the water. I mean, it really was pretty stunning. Yeah, that was one of the most tense. It's just nobody the, connected with it. Right. Right. It was probably the most tense I've ever felt during a movie. To tell you the truth. Um, yeah. It was really involving but um 